Welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. Nathan's not here, so I'm filling in for him too. Uh, we're going to talk about some good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we have a really important uh, update. This is kind of a special podcast. Uh, like I said, Nathan's not not in the studio right now, but we we have with us on the phone uh, someone who's been fighting the good fight for many years in Indiana, uh, Micah Clark, who's uh, works for he's the executive director at American Family Association, and he tracks all of those really important bills down at the Indiana State House happening right now that we need to be aware of. So I wanted to bring him on the show to give all the listeners an update on what they need to know, what bills they should get behind, and what bills they need to stand up and fight against. So Micah, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, give us an update. What are some important legislative uh, bills that we need to be uh, be aware of in the Hoosier State? Well, we're, you know, Micah, we're in the early stage of the session, and bills go through about three steps on each side of the chamber, a committee hearing, second reading, which is four amendments, and then final vote. Each, each one of those has a deadline. We've not passed the first deadline yet, so technically all 1,400 bills that they've filed could still be alive until the committee hearing process runs out. So it's hard to pick and choose. You know, there's a lot of bills that we like, a lot of bills we don't like, and, but it's kind of we're kind of weighing games, seeing which ones are, are moving forward, getting committee hearings. But I've got about a dozen that I've, I've been watching. I'd be happy to talk to you about. Uh, I haven't watched. I don't have a lot on my list about bad bills. Uh, it's a lot easier to kill a bill than it is to pass a bill. So I thought I'd talk about some positive things that we'd like to see passed. And then if there's anything you want to ask me about that maybe we should kill, I can talk about that too. But um, I can start wherever you want. Yeah. If you want a topic, okay. Why don't we just start with the one you, you testified on this week? Yep. Not necessarily the most important bill, but certainly a good bill. There's two bills dealing with school board candidate races. Actually, well, actually, there's probably four or five filed, but I think there's two that are going to move. You testified on one on Monday. I appreciate you doing that. That was Senate Bill 188, SB 188. And that bill um, would require school board candidates simply to declare whether or not they're Republican or Democrat and run under a party label. You know, Mike, the only office locally or statewide or nationally in Indiana that you can run for that you don't have to declare a party is school board candidate. Even the county coroner uh, has to run as either Republican or Democrat or independent. And I don't know that Republicans or Democrats have a different worldview on, on dead bodies, but um, certainly probably have different views on how they run an office. But if we require every other local office to have a party identification, I think it's a matter of transparency. I think it's helpful for the voter to know kind of what worldview the candidate might have, at least in, 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 where it comes to their voting history and what party they align with. That I think that would help the voters know a little bit about where their candidate might stand for school board. And then there's a House version of that, too. I think it's going to get a hearing next week. That is House Bill 1428, first one, Senate Bill 188, which was heard on Monday. They'll vote on it next week. And then I think next week they'll look at 1428 on the House side. So that's one issue that's been of interest to a lot of people. You know, you did a great deal of work, and I did too, last election regarding school board candidates. And, of course, simply saying whether someone's Republican or Democrat isn't a silver bullet for fixing schools. It does help a little bit. But people still need to try and find out where school board candidates are and, you know, what they run for. We, we have a 
voter guide that we do with uh, Indiana Family Institute, a group called I Voter Guide that we partner with. And we wanted them to do school board surveys for candidates. But then we realized there's over 1,100 school board members in Indiana. It's impossible. We don't have the, the staff or the manpower to, to interview all the candidates for school board. So it's kind of a little local uh, one-on-one, who you know, who's running, who's, who's a, a person in the community that may know some of these people are running. It's kind of a lot of word-of-mouth types of things. But I think having a person identify at least whether or not they're a Republican, Democrat, or independent would help voters know a little bit in the process. Well, I, I agree with that. I I get so many people asking me, who do I vote for in school board? I know mm-hmm. I know to vote for for rep and senate and you know secretary of state and all that stuff. But but when it comes to school board, and as somebody who does voter guides to help people, I find it hard to even find out anything on these school board members and or these school board candidates. And and so uh, I I really think that this. Uh, this bill that would uh, uh, allow candidates to declare a party would give transparency to the voters. That's what I. That's what I argued down at the state house when I testified this past week, and and I just said, listen, this is just one more tool for people to understand a little bit more about who the candidate is, what they believe, what their worldview is. And it's not a, to your point, it's not a silver bullet. It doesn't tell you everything you need to know because we know within the Republican party, there are, there are vast majority or vast differences within that party and, uh, of ideology. I mean, you can get, you get people all over the place, like in every party, but at least it gives you a starting point. And I, that's what I, that's what I like about this bill. And I don't know who would be opposed to it other than the people who specifically are trying to hide agendas and ideologies from the average voter, people who really don't want you to know who they are. Uh, Mike, I'll, I'll tell, tell you the story. When I, when I testified um, uh, for a Jack, Senator Sandlin's bill, Senate Bill 188, uh, there was a Democrat on the committee. Her name is Andrea Hunley, and she uh, she made a point. She said, I'm against this bill because I ran, I think she ran for school board is what she said 15 years earlier. She said, if I if the voters would have ever known that I that I was a Democrat, they would have never voted for me. And, <laughs> and so And therein is the point. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, and she said, but I did so many great things on the school board and I was really effective. And it's like, okay, well. You just like said you purposefully kept information from the voters because you knew they wouldn't get behind you if they knew this part of your life. And I'm like that right there should sell the bill, <laughs> like to anyone yeah. listening. You know what I mean? So uh, it well, was and, funny. Know, I, I don't know if this came up on Monday when you testified, but one of the things they had last year on this bill, one of the arguments against it was, well, we don't want to politicize schools by doing this. <laughs> Trust me, schools are already politicized. Anybody you know, who says to, that is right. is either lying through their teeth or just blind as a bat. Like it's like, where have you been the last fifteen years? So, I mean, the teachers' unions, the school board association—they're running their own candidates. Many of them are establishment type candidates against parental rights candidates. That that's politicized. Yep. So yeah, so, you the, know, this is the teachers' that's union just a smoke screen. Yeah, you're right. The teachers' union is probably one of the most effective Democrat lobbying institutions mm-hmm. in the country. I mean, like it's yep. they are the the most powerful uh, Democrat arm that that party has. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, you you look at you look at the money they're putting behind candidates, and it's and it's uh, a vast majority of their dollars go to uh, very left leaning uh, woke uh, candidates, mm-hmm. and they get away with that because. Most states don't have Republican or Democrat uh, 
you know, uh, partisan elections when it comes to school boards. So they can kind of say, oh, we're independent minded. We we don't really we're not Democrat or Republican. And when when if you really dive into the candidates, you get to know them. You're like, oh, my gosh, you guys are heavily left leaning. I mean, it's not even close to being, you know, kind of moderate down the middle. So, again, yep. Senate Bill 188, Jack Sandlin's bill and then House Bill 1428. I think that's press. Is that J.D. Prescott's bill? Yes, it is. Okay, yes. yeah. So those are yep. those are some bills we need to give you. I think if I if I'm not mistaken, Micah, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I think that the House bill has a a little bit different flavor to it. I think it would let counties decide whether or not they want to make their school board races partisan. It would leave it up to local control, which I think that's at least better than nothing. I'd love to see across sure. the state, but but it's I think that's the difference between the two bills. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, and there's a difference. One bill has some things in it about school board membership and, and meetings and things like that. Another bill is actually 44 pages long. To be honest, I haven't read it all the way through. Okay. But, um, you know, there's different parts of bills that we like. In fact, that's a good segue into, I'll just stick on the education lines if you want, but yeah. the segue into that is sometimes there's bills dealing with issues that we're not either watching or, or fond of, but there's something good in the bill. And the next bill I'd like to mention is Senate Bill 321, 321 by Andy Zay. That bill's already had a committee hearing uh, in, uh, I believe, it was the education. No, it was a health committee. And what that bill says, it deals with school-based health clinics. Now, I'm not a big fan of school-based health clinics. I think anybody who's strongly pro-life and concerned about the LGBT agenda and mental health and how that kind of goes against our Christian values. But this bill has something very important. It's really the heart of the bill. On page five of the bill, it deals with parental rights and giving parental consent. If we have school-based health clinics, which the governor's pushing, they're going to pour a mountain of money into health, mental health issues. We can talk about whether that treats the symptom or treats the problem. Um, but, but I think we have a spiritual problem that's driving our mental health issues. But if we're going to expand school-based clinics, if we're going to pour money into mental health, this session, which seems like what they're going to do in the budget, this bill has in it that before a school-based health clinic can treat a child for a physical need, a medical need, or a referral for psychological counseling, they have to get parental consent. And I am all about parental rights. I'm all about parental involvement. Parental involvement cannot be a one-way street where the only thing a parent does is sell tickets to raise money for the school band or go to the basketball games or go to a parent-teacher conference Parental rights and parental involvement has also got to be letting parents know what's going on in their school with their child and giving the parent the right to consent, yes or no, say yes or no to something. And what this would exclude, however, of course, if a child is in a, an emergency situation where their, their health is at risk, their life is at risk, or something like that, they can, they can refer them to a doctor, of course, and we all agree with that. But if you're referring a child for mental health counseling, or for other issues, you need to get parental consent. And it's how that works, that works that way with my family practitioner, with my doctor. I have to be in there with my minor children at the doctor's office. I want to be. If they're sending the kid to a child to a school-based health clinic, I think parents have the right to say yes or no to that, to at least be informed of what, what's going on, and uh, let the parent make the decisions for the child whenever possible. So that's Senate Bill 321. It's got good parental rights language in it. But, Micah, as you've seen, again, I'm saying good things about the bill, but as you've seen, one of the questions we have to ask with all these things on parental rights is, what if the school ignores us? 
Or if the school just says, eh, we're going to do this anyway, we're, we're going to refer your child out to Planned Parenthood for some sex education or for an abortion. What are the penalties to the school for violating parental rights? And I think Senator Zay is going to put an amendment on the bill. I've been told he's going to try and strengthen the enforcement of that. But I do commend him for Senate Bill 321, a parental rights bill on this issue of school-based health clinics. That's one we're watching. We're hoping it will get improved. But uh, that's Senate Bill 321. Good. Uh, I love it. So it, it, that's kind of one of those bills that uh, we had uh, Leah Wilson on. Um, and we, uh, yeah, think, we yeah, we're going to, we, I don't think at this point of recording your podcast, we haven't put hers out yet. But she talked a lot about the health freedom stuff. And yep. Senate 321 was an interesting bill because at first glance, you kind of think, no way. Like, I don't want, I don't want these health clinics in the right. school. But to her point, she was like, they're already there. They're already doing yep. it, yep. and this would make sure that the parental rights guardrails are on, and so that's why we need to get behind it. So this is that's a classic example of a bill that like really fundamentally protects our rights, but at first glance you think, ooh, why? No, 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 no. It's just the mm-hmm. system has grown so big and powerful. Now we're now we're kind of you know we're on defense and we're we're on our heels, and so we've got to kind of put some mechanisms in to protect our our liberties um, from yep. it. So yeah, so, yeah, I watched her testify. She did she did a really good job testifying. Good, yeah, yeah she's she's, she's very she did a good job. Yeah, very sharp. Yep. Yep. So, Another bill kind of along that same line, uh, Senator Jeff Roth has a bill, Senate Bill 354. Now, this bill, if you look it up on the General Assembly website, which I encourage people to do with any bill that we look at or mentions, is the Indiana General Assembly website, Senate Bill 354. It will simply say education matters. It, it, what that really means is it's a multiple-issue bill about education, but one of the prongs in that bill concerns something that, you and I would think it's common sense. It's probably going to be controversial. The media's already got wind of it, and they think it's terrible. But what the bill simply says is if a child goes to school and changes his or her pronouns or changes his, gender, his or her gender identity or identifies as a different sex, the school simply has to notify the parents this has happened. I've got stories of, of kids going to school. I've heard stories of kids going to school changing clothes, changing their pronouns, changing their name, and then at the end of school they change back to what they truly are. And the parents have no idea, or the, the kid goes to school, gets indoctrinated in this junk, and then by the time the parent finds out that their child is gender confused, uh, they're so far down the line and they wonder why they weren't told this. And so schools should not hide things from parents. That's all the bill says. It doesn't say the school can't teach this or can't teach that, although you know, I wish they would lay out some guidelines. What it simply says is if the child does this, the parent needs to know. Yes. And, and I'm all about, as I said, parental rights. I want to know what my child's doing in school. If my child's misbehaving or if my child's struggling with something, yeah. I want the school to let me know. And, and you think that's common sense, but I guess we have to put those things in law. It's a very good idea. We'll see if that bill moves forward. I think that bill is going to get a hearing in education. <laughs> Well, and that's what was going on in Pendleton, uh, in Pendleton, Indiana, mm-hmm. Pendleton High School. They were uh, they were telling teachers, the counselors were being forced to, by the administration to tell teachers not to inform parents if children wanted to have go by a different name and a different pronoun in the school, secret keeping secrets from the parents. I mean, that should enrage right. every single parent. Can you imagine, Micah, if... If uh, the, there was a school that said we're going to teach that that every child needs to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in the school, but hey, kids, 
don't go home and tell mom and dad right. that we're teaching about Jesus and we're telling you why he's the only way. Can you imagine the outrage of the oh, ACLU yeah. and the leftist ideologue, you know, nut, nut jobs out there? Can you imagine their outrage? They'd be like, how dare you? Yep. You have no right to say this to our kids, especially keeping it from the parents. But here we are totally the same thing on the other side of the aisle and they're like no 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 this is totally common sense we parents don't need to know if a child wants to you know change their gender that's not a big deal right i mean like oh my gosh these people are i know they're they are they are uh they're marxist that's the that, that's what they are they are marxist cultural marxist to yep. it to the core the and marxists destroy everything they touch if you study marxism it never builds it always destroys it destroys everything and they want to destroy our culture from the inside out and schools like pendleton deserve to be shut down every administrator deserves to be fired give those good teachers jobs somewhere else but boy i'm telling you what you just I, we got to come in with and just beat the living daylights out of the that ideology and uh or else it will destroy those children it will destroy those families ultimately it'll destroy the community and our and our nation so gosh it just well it, me it, you mentioned marxist people may think that's a little radical it's not no nope. every you say the history of marxism there were two things the marxists went after the church and the family yep if they could destroy those two things the growth of government was was unstoppable the government totalitarianism would, would not stop mike i'll tell you that you'll kind of laugh at this but the opposition to this bill one of their main arguments about about parental notification if your child changes gender or pronouns. And it frosts me because I hate this. I've seen this for years. You and I know there's good and bad families, but it really burns me that all the public policy decisions in the state house seem to start from the operating point that parents are bad, families are broken, families are terrible. And that's not true and that's not fair. But the argument against this bill is, well, this puts LGBT kids at risk if their parents are informed. Well, if that's the argument, if the argument is if you tell the parent that their child changed their gender or changed their pronouns and that puts the child at risk, then carry that out to the next step. If that's the argument that we're putting children at risk because parents know what's going on in the school, then there's no justification for having grade cards because if a child gets an F and goes home, he's in trouble. Yeah. And that's, that's the argument. So that's the same argument. Well, we can't, we can't say anything that the parents wouldn't like or wouldn't agree with. Well, first of all, it's the if the, the child belongs to the parent, it doesn't belong to the school. Yes. If a child's struggling in school, the parent needs well, to that's know. Well, that's the, that's the crux right there, Mike. I mean, mm -hmm. you, that is the point. You have Marxists and leftists who really believe children are property of the state, first and foremost, yep. and that's why they're doing this. They're saying, hey, a parent yep. doesn't have the right to know because we own your kid. And mm -hmm. we know best. We know best. And and you know what? I get I get flack from some Christian parents sometimes when they see me come down on the Pendleton schools or like some other schools like that. They'll call me and be like, Oh my goodness, Micah, what there's some good teachers at that school and there's some good people at that school. I'm like, I didn't say there wasn't. I'm saying they think as a as a holistic school, as a as the as the state, they know better than you, mom and dad. And every Christian should be outraged at this and they should they should link arms together and just go at these schools or else you're gonna lose your kids. 
You will absolutely yep. see your kids go down right down the path of destruction. And then don't come crying to me when, when that happens, because I don't want to hear it. I'd be like, listen, I tried. I told you, I, there are parents that have come to me and said, what happened? I've been in youth ministry right. now for, for 15 years or was be, before I became a campus pastor and was 15 years. And I have parents, some parents come to me and say, man, my child has totally been like led astray somehow. I'm like, yeah, you put them right in the public school system and you know, you gave them over to Caesar and now you're yep. shocked that a little Roman has come out. Like, what do you, what, right. what do you say? You know what I mean? Like, you know, so, uh, so anyway, that's, yeah, that is, I am there, passionate there's about a, There's a famous story from years ago. There was a senator from, from Texas. You may remember his name, Phil Graham. And there was a committee hearing one time, a budget hearing or something. He was a real budget hawk, but he was also a social conservative. And some bureaucrat was testifying about all the things they were going to do to fix families and make kids better and all the government programs that were going to, you know, just cure all the social ills. And he stopped that person and he said, so what I'm hearing is that you really care about children and your, your agency is really concerned about families. And, and he said, oh, yes, we do. We care. We, we really believe we can help the children. He said, you think you can help my children? He said, I do. He said, what are the names? And the guy was dumbfounded. Mm. And the point being, as the parent, I know the most about my child. The school does not. I'm, I'm the primary caregiver of my child, as it should be, as, as, as determined by God, determined by, by nature. The parent has the first right to the child in the way it should go. And that, that kind of leads me to my next bill, um, House Bill 1407 by Representative Dale Devon. This is a parental rights bill. It simply says the parents have the right to determine the upbringing of their child in matters of health and religion and issues like that. Now, that's it, and it is a fundamental right. The bill does a couple things. I think it sets a platform for courts to see <clears throat> that we elevate the right of parents and parental rights to a fundamental right, which is a legal term, meaning it means a lot, basically. So when courts see if this law is passed, they will say, look, the state of Indiana says parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their child. But there's a part of the bill, too, that is a, is a case that, Mike, I know you're familiar with. Again, I mentioned our friends at the Indiana Family Institute were involved in this case. There was a family over in the uh, Anderson-Muncie area whose son went off to a charter school at Ball State. And I'm sure it was probably thought of by the family as an honor. You know, go on Ball State campus as a high school student and take this going to this probably elite school. Well, within a year or two, the son had been totally indoctrinated, changed his identity to a female. The parent was a, a strong Christian family. They had six kids. They loved their son, but they didn't agree with changing his name that they gave him or changing his, his identity because somebody had indoctrinated him. And the State Department of Child Services took him out of the home because they wouldn't recognize him as a her. <laughs> and... What this bill basically would say is that's not child abuse. There's times when DCS has to remove children from homes. We know that. But simply not calling Sally Steve or Steve Sally is not child abuse. It's, it's reality. Yeah. And, and, and the parents were not abusive. You know, unfortunately, some of the news articles I read made the parents sound terrible, but they can't say anything because they're in a court case. Yeah. And their attorneys are saying, look, you can't say anything. It doesn't matter what the media says. Your day will come in court. They've been kind of smeared in the media, but this this is a matter to tell DCS, hey, that is an overreach. Yeah. Unless there's there's verifiable physical neglect or abuse, a kid's kid's mental confusion, not going along with somebody's fantasy, 
is not child abuse. Yeah. You know, one of the best examples I've ever heard of this, I wish I, I'm not this smart, but there's a, there's a guy, I encourage people to follow him at cross-examine. His name's Frank Trek. He's a great, great apologist. But, but somebody asked him a question about this whole transgender ideology and, and the issue of giving kids drugs or surgeries. And he said, look, we don't deny there's people who have gender confusion, but we also have other issues in the society that we do not treat this way. If a child has anorexia, we don't give them free liposuction. Yeah. We don't give them diet pills simply because their brain tells them that they're fat when they're not, or their brain tells them that they, they have a body image issue. We treat their brain so that they behave the way that they created, not so that we, yeah. you know, we don't go, go along with a fantasy and put them at risk with, well, here, take some diet pills. Here, we'll just give you liposuction, even though you may only weigh 98 pounds right now. Yeah, that's, per- that's a perfect that. example. That is the exact same thing. I mean, it's un- it's un- it's unreal that we've turned transgenderism or, or this this being able to gender fluid ideology as somehow a natural part of science. You know, it just becomes mm-hmm. it's it's like natural law almost all of a sudden. And to your point, where else do we do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if a kid wants to cut his cut his arm off and and put on a, or his hand off and put on a hook because he thinks he's a pirate, do we do right. we allow them to do that too? You know, like yeah. I mean, come on. I- I've told people, you know, I bet if we had a state mental hospital, or some states do, we don't anymore, I don't think. But if I went to a mental ward, I'm pretty certain I could find a person who thinks they're Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> That's right. But if you wear glasses and you like being a cowboy and you like the Old West and you think you're Theodore Roosevelt, that's fine, but that doesn't give you the right to go to the White House and start signing papers. That's right. But yeah. the way we treat the LGBT issue, the trans issue, if you think you're that, and you're that, and all society must bow down to your yeah. ideology and your your confusion, and we all have to behave as if that's real. Well, and I, I posted the other day. I said uh, someone said uh, accused me of being a you know white uh, racist, right? And I said, how dare you uh, assume my race? And there was another lady from like the Fishers area who was like, I can't believe you just made a mockery out of uh, race that way. I said, do I not have the right to be able to change my race? Can I not? How can someone go gender fluid, but like because of if they have a penis or a vagina between their legs? But I, but you're telling me I can't now change what I believe my skin color is. Like you know, mm-hmm. like are you telling me that that's not okay? And she was like, No, it's not okay. That's totally different. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, Lady, you are nuts. You are absolutely insane to the umph degree. Like this, the insanity of these people. And this is the only thing I can equate this to because how stupid and insane these people are is it's demonic i mean that is mm-hmm. that is the only thing they have been so blinded by a demonic powerful force and they've given themselves over to it that they literally think up is down down is up right yeah. is left and left is right i mean like and everyone else who has a little bit of wisdom is looking at them like you're the you you need to go to a psych ward i mean like literally that's the that is <laughs> to your point this is crazy this is absolute crazy. I I'm going to tell my life insurance agent. I'm 56, but I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> I want to identify as 36 because my life insurance rates are going to be better. That's right. I love it, man. I love it. Well, I've always wanted to play in the Little League World Series, so I'm going to identify as a 12 year old pitcher. There you go. Yep. Yep. Some other bills I'll mention to you that are of interest that we're kind of watching that may or may not go anywhere. Um, one is a bill 1220, House Bill 1220. 
And this this bill actually has a lot of co-authors, but it's not been scheduled for a hearing yet. What it says along these same lines is basically you cannot do a transgender surgery on a child under the age of 18 in Indiana or give them puberty-blocking drugs because these things are dangerous and they're experimental. If somebody wants to mutilate their body or cut off body parts or take risky drugs, do it when you're an adult. Don't do it when you're when you're 12 years old. Yeah, I, I Wait until to- you're an adult yeah. to make that decision. I totally agree because with that. What, what you're doing could change your, your entire life. And, and we've got you know people, you and I have heard online, we've met some people who are called detransitioners, people who walk down this road and realize, man, this is the wrong way to go. But unfortunately, sadly, a lot of them have really hurt themselves with these drugs yeah. or surgeries. That they, some of those are not reversible. And and you have to live with that kind of decision for life. You know, we, we don't allow we don't allow minor kids to vote. We don't allow minor kids to buy alcohol. We don't allow them to buy firearms. There's lots of things we don't allow young kids to do. We shouldn't allow them to make a life-altering decision before they're 18 on this type of thing. Let them let them make that decision after puberty. And, and uh, you know, I don't agree that's ever a good decision. But certainly, we shouldn't be doing this to young children. Right. So honestly, if you're if you're an adult, you know. God gives you the right to be stupid. I think the government should give you that same right too, right? Just as long as you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not infringing on my rights, or you're, you know, to children. Children don't have those God-given rights yet because they're that. According to the government, I mean, you can make the argument that, um, you know, children don't have free speech because if they were, if they had free speech, they'd also have have to have a Second Amendment right, which means the right to bear mm-hmm. arms. And we don't give children right. the right to bear arms. I mean, right. you can't give a ten-year-old the right to go out and buy a gun, right? So. So yeah, there's and you can't drive cars. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. there is an age limit where we say, okay, now your full God given rights have now been given to you. You're free to do with them what you want as long as you don't you know hurt other people. Go for it. I just think that's uh, you know listen. Uh, the only uh, <laughs> the only thing I like about evolution is uh, is a survival of the fittest. Right. When someone does something dumb <laughs> and it doesn't work out for them, well, you know what? Then there's uh, they figure it out real quick and there's more room on this earth for the rest of us. <laughs> That's a ter- that's a, that's an anti-pastor. That's a that's a non-pastor thing to say, right? Like no mercy right there, right? But I I feel that way sometimes. I'm like I'm like, man, these you know, people okay, I warned you. There's a cliff up ahead, but if you yep. want to go jump off it, I mean, have at it, man, you know. Yeah. So sometimes the Lord lets us make a lot of dumb decisions, shows us a lot of grace, but he doesn't encourage us to make those decisions. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Good, good. A couple others, I'm not trying to beat this drum, but there's, you know, this is a hot issue, but Senate Bill 487, 487 is one, and again, Mike, I can't believe we're discussing this, but this basically would say, save in the end does not allow a trans male into a female prison. We don't put men with, with biological male parts in the women's prisons. We've seen stories about what a problem that is, how that puts women at risk. Um, there's dudes who are identifying as females who want to get into female prison, and lo and behold, they have a, a, a prisoner gets raped. You know, it's... Um, I don't know what will happen to that bill, but it's interesting to see if that comes up. I'd love to see the debate on 487. So there's no trans men and women. How, how do you how do you uh, how do you debate against something like that? Like, just well, I mean, yeah. I well just... see, it's funny because you have all these groups. You know, I had a friend who used to say we used to be a melting pot, and now we're stir fried. You've got all <laughs> these different groups in America, and they're all kind of pitted against each other at times. You're placing women's rights against transgender rights. Yeah. There. Yeah, like uh, think- like that swimmer, right? Leah Thomas, right? The dude yes. from uh, yes. UPenn. 
and yep. he was kicking yep. the crap out of every girl he yep. competed against, right? And like, mm-hmm. and and yet people just want to—they don't want to—they don't want to look at how we're bodies are created differently. It's not that you know, it's not that the girls weren't great swimmers. It was that he's a man. He's just biologically different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so uh, it's well, just, the sad thing about that was the women, the girls on that team have suffered from that because they placed, you know, they didn't place first, maybe they placed first. If they complained, they were in trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And all they were complaining about was fairness. You know, we were supposed to be for fairness. Uh, that's not fair. That's so. right. Well, that's Marxism for you, right? The only way Marxism can can win is if it silences it, it silences right. by fear the other side. Yeah. Yep. 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 There's a bill I'll mention too, thirteen forty six by Jake Teska, House Bill thirteen forty six. Simply says you cannot fire a teacher for not using the child's chosen pronouns. We've got Christian teachers in the public school. Thank God we have them there. But we've had several of them in the end who were fired because they would they just couldn't go along with that. You know, they would call a student by their last name or other things. But but they but we had a couple of them fired because they wouldn't go along with that that fantasy. And so this would protect teachers. Now I'm First I'm, Amendment rights. I'm highly suspecting that the teachers union won't get behind something no. like this. <laughs> no. like, hey, we no. protect teachers, except the ones who don't do our bidding and right. tell don't, little, have, our, don't yeah. have our ideology. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What the teachers union has probably been the worst thing for uh, public education in America. I think if you can if you could pinpoint one detrimental, destructive force that's that's really destroyed our our uh, schools. It's been the teachers' union because they don't care about students and they don't care about parents. They only care about teachers, but they only care about the teachers who do the bidding of the left. So, I mean, that's that sums it up right there. No, and what most people don't don't know is that, that only about half the teachers in Indiana are unionized. The other half choose not to be a part of that because of Good. the I think because of the political ideology of it. Yeah. But they carry such a big Wait, and a lot of people think, well, teachers' union speaks for all teachers. They really don't. Yes. Uh, but they have a lot of clout. And the teachers who aren't in a teachers' union don't have a lobbying group down there spending millions of you know, dollars every, that we're giving to them part. Every time, just so everybody knows, every time I've ever gone down to testify for, for, for or against a bill that has to do with education, there are multiple full-time dressed-in-suits like mm-hmm. uh, lobbyists who get to testify first on all these bills, they always do. There, it's like, do you guys sleep here? Do you have a do you have a house like in like a back room? So I see you guys all the time. You're and to me, I'm thinking, gosh, normal teachers, normal moms and dads, just typical Hoosiers are just outgunned because they don't they don't have that representation down at the state house. And then you mm-hmm. get these you get these weak weak Republicans who think because oh here's a guy who works for the teachers union testifying and he's here all the time well all of indiana must believe what he says because he's here a lot and he speaks a lot and i hear him a lot and i and and here's if you're a representative and you're listening to this or or legislator or soon to be legislator please stop taking a poll with your eyes when you're down at the state house because the state house does not represent the majority of Indiana just because you can get two or 300 people down at the state house to make a lot of noise doesn't mean all of Indiana feels that way. Like go out, listen to your community and, and I'm tired of, you know, I have some representatives say, man, where were you guys? Like, you, you know, the other side came out in full force on this issue and you guys didn't even come down at all. And to my, and do you know what I was, I always say to that? I said, I didn't come down because I hired you to go down and do what you said you were going to do so that I wouldn't have to go down and do your job for you. If I have to keep going down there and testifying for these bills, 
to do your job for you, I might as well run and go do the job. So that way, other people in the community don't have to worry about coming down to the state house and convincing me to do the job that I told you I was going to do. I'm just going to go do the job, right? And then come back and say, hey, I did the job for you. You guys didn't even have to come down and testify. I stood strong. I didn't care if there was a thousand to one. I did exactly what I told you I was going to do. And there were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's like, where are these guys? Where, like, why are they so weak? And I guess that's a totally another topic, Micah, and we can get on that one some other time. But gosh, man, that just drives me up a wall. But anyway, so that was House Bill 1346. Um, any, okay, any other bills or any any bills that you have that maybe people should be aware of that we don't want to get through? Um, go, well, can I can I throw one out there? Maybe you oh, know. Sure. This. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, tell, talk about Senate Bill Four. I believe that uh, Charbonneau's uh, uh, bill, and that has to do with the funding for local health departments. And have you mm-hmm. have you seen have you seen that one? Yeah, I, the concern about that bill, and there's an excellent article, uh, I'll email to you, Micah, but it's in the Federalist. If people go to the Federalist website, there's a very good article written about how that could threaten local control. Because what it is, is right now, I think the, oh, I can't remember the number, but I think it was $6.9 million the state spends on um, for county health offices. This bill would boost that to over $229 million. It, it astronomically smoke state funding. And the problem for local school, local uh, health departments is it's the carrot. It's going to be hard for them to say, well, we need that money. We could use that money. This could help us. But when they do that, they're going to lose a lot of control. And so a lot of people are afraid this is a state takeover of local county health offices. And, and again, as, as Jefferson said, the government, the government's best is at the local level, the, the closest to the people. And, and there's concern that the state would then call a lot of the shots for these local health departments. And we saw a lot of problems that caused COVID and during that time. Um, so that's one I think is concerns a lot of people about the heavy handedness of that nature. I would much rather see if the state really wants to fund local health departments. Just do it in a block grant type situation. You give them money. Don't tie all the strings to it. Don't tell them what to do. But they can't help themselves. So I was, they, you know, I was told that uh, some of the big proponents of this are obviously uh, gynecologist Doctor uh, Box, who's the head of the uh, mm-hmm. health department, mm-hmm. and right. then uh, I think our former state senator here in uh, yeah. Noblesville, yeah. Luke, Luke Kinley, they are uh-huh. big proponents of this, and it's reported. And I don't know if this is true, but the source that told me this is a highly reputable source. They said that they were they were quoted and or overheard saying there's no strings attached but we'll make it really painful for the counties yeah. that reject this month that reject our money and try to stay locally controlled. So the whole mindset is we don't like that local counties bucked our our fiat and our and our our mandates during COVID, we don't ever want that to happen again. We want to make sure that Dr. Fauci and the CDC are able to do exactly what they want to do in local, uh, you know, Main Street America. And this would this would basically flatten uh, any any uh, opposition that that we saw, you know, stand up and rightfully so against these. Uh, these faulty government mandates that actually, you know, were more harmful than they were helpful. 
And, uh, and yeah, so, right. yeah, so that's, that's the whole point. So we got to, we got to reject SB4, text your Senator, call your Senator, state Senator right now. This is Ed Charbonneau's bill. And, uh, and it's not a good bill. I've heard a lot of, you know, uh, very good conservative liberty minded people saying this is the Trojan horse, you know, like, Oh, here's a lot of, here's a lot of money guys. Oh, by the way, now that you took our money, you have to do exactly what we tell you to do or else we're not giving you a dime. It's the same way the federal government controls the States, right? It's the same way. It's like, do what we say or else you're not getting our money. And they're using our own money against us. Cause it's not even their money. It's my, it's my money. It's your money. It's our money. And they're using it to weaponize against us it's absolutely a sham and we need to stop it so yep and that that is um that is what was in this article i'll send you um they quote this the they quote that um those quotes from luke kenley and other people about you know yeah you can you can turn away the money you don't have to take it but in a couple of years you'll they'll all be lined up with us wow. because they can't resist kind of, that kind of money with with the health issues that we have that they're facing it's going to be too much of a temptation for them to say no. But along with that, it's the Trojan horse, like you said. So I'll send that article. Very interesting article. And, and the, you know, the, the sad part about that, I'm not trying to be partisan here, is typically Republicans are talking a lot about local control, a lot about limited government, or at least they used to. This is a big government bill. Yeah. But it's big government from the state. Now, you, the legislators are one of the first to complain when the feds mandate something like this. Yeah. But then they're, they, when you do it to local <laughs> they government, turn around it's and do, okay. It's the, parable, <laughs> it's the parable of the man who owed, who owed a debt, right? And uh, yes, exactly. the king, the king yep. came to him and said, you owe me a big debt. He let him off the hook. And then that same guy went to another guy and said, you owe me a debt, and then beat him and threw him in the prison. And the king found right. out about it and said, how dare you do what I gave you mercy for you. You turned around and showed no mercy to a guy who was exactly you. And, and it's the same thing. It's right. You know, we, we complain about, Oh, big government, federal government, Washington. Like you, we hate that you do this and don't do this. And then we, the, the state turns around and especially in, in Indiana where you have a supermajority Republican legislature who, who prides themselves quote unquote on limited government, even though it's only limited when they want it, when they, when they want to wipe their hands of it and say, well, it's not, it's not us. You know, I, I heard, I heard uh, uh, Speaker of the House uh, Todd Houston, who I, I think is a good guy. I think he's, but but he used that argument on not not getting involved in school board races or not doing anything to fix the problem in our schools. He says, "Listen, it's a local control issue. It's a local government issue." And and I and then you know, there's part of me that agrees with him on that. One. It's like, yeah, it is local. And I, I pushed back and said, well, we just want guardrails. Just put guardrails in force. We're not asking you to come in and like take over. I, I, I want to protect local control. But isn't it funny now that leadership is saying, oh, yeah, forget the local control. We can run your own health department better for, than you can. So, uh, you know, get out of the way, counties. You know, it's it's crazy. I, uh, yeah, lo- local control is one of those things that they like to hide behind. But when they don't want local control, they're very quick to tell local schools and things what to do. So, I, you know. Whenever I hear local control, I don't disagree with the theory, but if you're going to pick and choose when it should apply, then don't tell me that we're not going to protect children from pornography, for example, and that's a local control. Issue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's good, Micah. Well, um, thank you. Are there any other like key bills, or you think those are kind of the big ones that we hit on? Uh, those are probably big ones. There's a big school choice bill that's, that's moving, and I think it will get passed. I think it's going to be some of it will be in the budget. The other one's in Senate Bill 350. Um, it, it, it creates something called an educational savings account, ESAs, and the teachers unions don't like it. Some of the homeschool folks, and I'm a homeschool dad, don't like it 
But I really think they might be missing the big picture. The big picture is we need to help kids and give families alternatives to public education. But what the ESA does is, yes, you can use it for tuition. You can use that account for tuition. But you can also stay in your local public school if you like it and use that money for outside tutoring and outside help, which I think a lot of families, especially if they can't find a private school or can't homeschool, that this would actually help them improve their their education in public schools. If they're in a public school that needs needs aid with a a tutor uh, and they can't leave IPS, for example, maybe, um, then this would give some parents more options. So I think it's a good step forward. Um, There is some concerns because if you take it and use it for home education, you have to agree to take the state test. Homeschool groups don't like that. But I think the big picture is, and if you want to homeschool and don't take the ESA, that's entirely up to you. Just do it on your own. But I think we need to give as many parents, give parents as many options as possible. So we're watching that bill. I'm a big proponent of school choice. I do understand there's some risk to the state control. We don't want them to control private schools. But at the same time, we complain about some things going on in some public schools, not all. And in those public schools, I think parents need as much option as possible for an alternative. And I'm all about free market competition and giving parents choices. But we basically have government schools that are funded by the government, and there's not a lot of consumerism in that side of the equation. I think the more we get the money to follow the child and then let the parents make the decisions where they go, just like we do with higher education, which doesn't seem to be a problem. You know, I get my Pell Grant, I get my, my student loan, I can go wherever I want. And I think that's how I'd like to see it. At, at the K-12 level myself, but this bill doesn't go that far. Actually, half the money goes for special needs kids, but it is a more step forward down the road towards more school choice, and we'll see what happens with that bill. That's 350 The free market system sure. is the uh, is the way to fix this problem. You want to fix anything, let the free market uh, have mm-hmm. at it, and it will, it will that invisible hand will take care of everything like uh, Adam Smith write, writes about in his right. book, Wealth of Nations, which was the foundation for our free market capitalistic society and it has done wonders for the world when it comes to solving our problems so i i agree with that well wonderful micah thank you so much for joining us thank where can you. people uh, go to find out more about what you're doing sure i'd love to have people sign up for my weekly email at afain.net it's afain.net that's our website they can google american family association of indiana at afa in.net and our national office you can look at too although we're just associated with them in name but great ministry is American Family Association is just AFA.net. That's in our main office in Tupelo, Mississippi, but we're located here in Indianapolis as a statewide group, American Family Association of Indiana, AFAIN.net. Wonderful. Well, Micah, thanks for all the work that you're doing Thank down you. at the State House. You're doing uh, an incredible job. Keep it up. Keep us informed. And for all you who uh, want a recap on all of those bills, I'm going to send out an email on my email list to micahbeckwith.com. And uh, we'll even post it in the comments and in the uh, sections of the podcast here so you can go back and see what bills to support. But thanks for listening. This has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. And next time, Nathan will be back with us. But have a great rest of your day. Go out there and fight the good fight.